Welcome to Spirited Reads, a podcast about the books we read, the books we want to read, and the way our lives are shaped by reading. We're your hosts, Madeline and Robert, and we want you to love what you read and read what you love. Greetings and drinkings. Welcome to episode seven of Spirited Reads. We're going to talk about the classics. Do I have to put on a fancy accent for this? I, I would, I don't know, I'm too stuffy for, the, for fanciness. Mm, the classics. Mm, mm, this is very, very classic. <laughs> yeah, it's just not going to work. So, anyway, before we get into, as Mark Twain called the classics, the books that people talk about but don't read. Oh. But we're not going to do that. We're going we're gonna to talk about why they're good. Yeah, and books we read. And books we read, and books we want to read. And talk we, a lot. Yeah, <laughs> we might talk about the way our lives are shaped by reading. All right, so. Um, let's start with our usual upcatching. Madeline, what have you been reading? Well, can I say what I'm drinking first? Yes, you can say what you've been drinking first. Uh, what I've been drinking? Oh, we'll be here all night. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, well, I, tonight I am drinking Dark Horse Pinot Noir. Pinot, Pinot Noir. Myanmar. Yeah. Uh, it's a lovely dry red wine. That I used to make sangria and accidentally bought too many bottles of wine. So oh darn. Uh, oh darn. Um. So yeah, I'm drinking that. I like it. It's like I said, dry. I don't like a sweet wine, so it's yummy. What are you drinking? I'm drinking some good old Glenmorangie Twelve Cherry Cask Single Malt. Gosh. Malt. Yeah. I'm a fan. I am recently. Too. Yes. Newly now that we acquired know, now whiskey that we know it doesn't, doesn't kill you. I mean, the whiskey taste has always been there. I've always really liked yeah. it, but I thought that it made me sick. And instead, it was just psychological. Someone out there is going, well, because it's, it's devil's juice. So, you know. If they've made it to episode seven and they're concerned about devil's juice, wow. Wait till episode eight. <laughs> there. That's when we get our explicit rating. Oh. That's when Walter Walter joins yeah. us. For, yeah. And there's so much cursing. Our, our, our content warning episode. Yeah. That's something to look forward to, folks. So, now that we've gotten through what we've been drinking, what you've been reading? Oh, oh, I had notes for this. I'm going to focus up. Okay. Um, so, I'm currently reading Lies of Lacamora by Scott Lynch for a book club at the cafe. And um, I'm reading. So, I have I told you my whole reading process? There's a few of them, but. <laughs> I've heard at least one or two. Okay. So, I like to have a physical book, a digital book, and an audio book. So, I'm normally oh, reading yeah. three All books at, at once. Yes. yes. I do so, recall. Okay. So. Uh, audiobook, Liza Lacamora. Do not know the narrator, but he's excellent. So, shout out to you, uh, narrator unnamed. And then my digital book is Rabbits by Terry Miles, and that's a book continuation of one of my favorite podcasts. Um, Isn't that a horror? Uh, no, it's kind of a thriller. He, it's, like, there's this game that's, like, kind of dark web. um, Her friend goes missing playing the game and it's like you find your first clue in this old arcade box that you have to do a cheat code to find the first clue and then it takes you to like a museum and you find a clue in a painting and i was just like hooked immediately basically um so that's my digital book and then a physical book i just started um making history which we're going to talk about um by a little bit stephen fry yeah that's our book of the month soon and so i got a bit of a head start on that and then I just finished Raptor, 
the graphic novel. Oh, the so-called story. Yeah, by yeah. Dave McKean. Did you yeah. read it? I have not. Fi- I have not read Raptor. I am familiar with Dave McKean. Okay. Yeah, Dave McKean's um, his, good. His art is insane. So. Yeah. And then I just finished History of Wild Places by Shay Earnshaw. Okay. Uh, it's it was good. The it was an audiobook and it was a full cast audiobook because there's four different perspectives. And it's very village esque. I'm not Shyamalan's movie, which yeah. I know you're not a fan you have of. To sell it a little better than that. Okay, well, I like Village. So for the five of us out there that like the Village, <laughs> um, no, that's not true because I know a lot of people that like it. But yeah. it's very much like it's a um secret village in the woods Ooh. that um is hiding from modern day woes. Um, so it it was really good. It was creepy and it was a bit predictable because it was, I mean, it was a lot like the village. There was even one of the main female characters was blind. So it was pretty right on, but nice. yeah, it's good though. What about you? Um, before me, quick shout out to Michael Page. Oh, narrator of the lies of Lamora. Look at you Googling. Well, no, I got my audible right here. Oh, I just well, pulled great. up audible and checked it. Audible's great. He was really good. Yeah. He does his character voices yeah. nicely. There's lots of like big characters in that book. So it's a heist. It's another Ooh, heist book. Well, I know you like yep, a heist. That's the thing. Okay. Um, so um, I finished a few. I finished um, All the President's Men mm-hmm. by Woodward and Bernstein. Which, is that a first read or a reread? It re- is a, read it is a, I read it in undergrad. Okay. Um, for a history class. Like 27 years ago? Well, it was 2000. And one okay sorry so, i was being sassy no, but it was, honestly it was close it was <laughs> i read it for uh one of my u.s history uh the, it was like a cross between my u.s history class and my sociology class i had to take so it and it's it i lost all of it so i went okay. back and um it was the one at at half price book i found the first edition you know hey yeah. and the first edition from 1974 is pretty cool yeah um but i read that one and that was also one because it is very um, factual. I mean, it's written by a couple of journalists, journalists who are basically kind of going, this could be the thing that saves our lives. So it's very cut and dry. So I also, I went ahead and audibled that as well so I could bounce back and forth. Is it a narrative nonfiction? Like, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. It's, and it's, it's a story. It's, it's very, it's, I mean, it. And what, I'm sorry, I know nothing about it. What is this setting? All the President's Men is the, is the, um, the fallout of the Watergate scheme. Oh, I think I remember yeah. you talking about that. Okay. Yeah. So that's a time period you're. Yes. You're so kind of once, once all of the, the, the Watergate conspirators and Nixon's plumbers, as he called some of his fixers, start getting caught, um, you have two reporters who are very young and up and coming at the time who are now legends, mm-hmm. um, Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein, starting to put the pieces of this whole thing together. Um, and so there is a lot of of there's a lot of we're you know they're we're putting these articles out we're writing stuff the washington post is behind them to a point and there's a lot of we need to keep writing and saying these things because there's also like threats being made and people coming after us and like there's moments where they're showing up on the doorsteps of secretaries and the secretaries are just leaving the house like when they see them uh that's where you get you know deep throat and all those other weird things that sort of built conspiratorial like american political Nonfiction literature. It kind of the book kind of changed the world a little, or changed the country. Yeah. So, um, I finished that. 
And because of that, I went straight into, because why wouldn't I go ahead and read the company this year? I mean, I'm, it's early <laughs> on. It's April, or not April. It's, where are we, June? Started it in May. Yeah. It's early in the year. I usually read the company later in the summer. But I went ahead and read Robert Liddell's The Company about the history of the CIA, historical fiction. Um, I got to read that one. Yeah. And it's just, I blasted through it. I went with the audio this time because I just paid adventures, listened to it. Worked, listened to it, did yeah. dishes, listened to it. Um, yeah, I've been busting out some audiobooks lately. Yeah. And then um, on the just on the fun, the fun series side, I have also been on Audible because with your the Audible Unlimited, um, the original set of Bernard Cornwell's Sharps novels are on there. Um, the ones that he wrote in the first big chunk before he wrote the later, his late career ones. Um, so I finished Sharps Sword. Um, which is, you know, Napoleonic hijinks, things like that. And it's, I always forget that, that they get real dark um, because he, Bernard Cornwell is very, it wasn't all gallantry and chivalry and things mm. like it was, there's some real desperate stuff that happens. Um, and it's also fun because if you've only seen one of the movie adaptations, then you'll never see Sharp as anything other than Sean Bean because that's who plays him. Um so I finished those, and then I, I read a, a couple of comics. Um, but I those... saw those on your Goodreads. You had to have yes. several right in a yeah. row. <laughs> yeah, I did. Actually, I can do that now. That's not part of the reading challenge, because we, did, we talked comics last episode. So here's your Daredevil. <gasps> Thank you. I yeah. love Daredevil. I, I went with Chip Zdarsky. He's one of the famous Daredevil writers. Frank Miller is as well, but I like the art in the Zdarsky books. So what you have is, is Daredevil. No fear, not as in without, as in understand it. And this was one of the first big series reboots. Um, and then just because I wanted to, I, I was giving you more things because this one just gets wild. This is Superman Red Sun. Ooh. Um, and it is a what if, what if uh, Hal L instead of crashing into Kansas, he crashed into the Soviet Union? That, yeah, he has a little Soviet yeah. Union on his chest yeah. there. It's that wow. one's wild and crazy. There's all sorts of crazy stuff that happens. This is it. really so cool. So there you go. Um, yeah. Thank you. Were we supposed to bring the books for our book challenge to give to each other? No, I have. Well, I want to. I mean, you're in my house. I guess yes. you could take the one that you. I have. I have yours. Okay. Here. Because I did my. Oh, uh, for you, everybody you. listening, we're doing a reading challenge for each other this month where mm -hmm. we pick the next book that each other reads. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't decide. So I did a D12 of my five star reads and I'm going to roll for it. And that's what Robert has to read next month. Yep. And then I'm just going to keep every month. I'm going to be like, hey, by the way. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So anyway, that's for a later discussion. Yeah. So there's, there's comics for great. No, specifically superhero comics. Cause that yes. was the big thing. Was superheroes. Yeah. I'll finish these by our next recording and you can bring yeah. me more. You're going to go that daredevil and goes fast. Oh yeah. I'm sure I'll read both of these yeah. pretty quickly. I, that's my nice palette cleanser yeah. as a graphic novel. Yeah. Well, and, Red Sun is a standalone story. That's okay. the whole thing. Then I think there are three, maybe three or four trades to that particular Daredevil line. Okay. Awesome. I was I was trying to get them from the library, but they're constantly being checked out. So yes, so I read those comics plus the books. Okay. Um, and then also I am in the progress of reading Making History, like you are. Um, I'm also listening to Memories Legion. Okay. Which is the collected short fiction from The Expanse. Is that a reread or a... No, this just came out. Like, it, I have not read any... I did not read any of the novellas throughout the publication of The Expanse. Okay. Um, there was, I think, one story 
uh, Butcher of Anderson Station, which is the Fred Johnson kind of origin story I had read. Um, but this is, they take all the stuff that was published in ebook format mm-hmm. or um, in journals and things, which I think was not, because they were mostly novellas. They just put them all into one book. Okay. Published them. And after, at the end of each short story, um, there is a note, there's some commentary from the authors. So cool. Yeah. I'm going to put that So I am, I, I, uh, I went with the Audible for that because Jefferson Mays, who reads all of them, I like a lot. Mm-hmm. And since it just came out, it's in hardcover and it won't match my others. So unless they finally read, unless they continue releasing those pink, the, the, we the so we asked a bookstore um in when we were in Phoenix yeah. we asked them if they knew they were continuing and she said as far as I know no but yeah. they won't know for a year after the first release right. so hopefully because what I really want um so the first book of the expand series is that neon pink yeah the the, um, the special edition with the like shiny mm-hmm. metallic lettering I really want them to do like a rainbow like a It'd chromatic awesome. a neon edged. Yeah, all for that. That would be so so cool, and I think I would collect them in hard cover at yeah, that point. I wouldn't mind having two sets. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then also, do I still have one of your books? Nope. Okay, great. Nope, I've got all of my back. Great. Um, and then lastly, started Beaver Star. I saw that, and I was yeah. gonna text you angry. I wa- I wanted yep. to read that together, but yep, I started Beaver Star. I realized shortly after that it has been a bit since I read Black Sun because whoa, I had there's a whole lot of characters right off the bat. Okay. That are that are carryover. I'm but, considering a reread of Black Sun before yeah. I do Favorite Star because I listened to Black Sun last time. Mm-hmm. And while it was a great audiobook, mm-hmm. it was a lot of characters, a lot of world building, and a lot of um like lore um wording that I just I think might have gone over my head a tiny bit. So sure. I might yes. do a reread. And then, yeah, it come it hits you right in the face right at the beginning. Now, what is interesting is very little time has passed between the two. This is not a big jump. This is a here like Which kind of makes sense with the, the ending. The first book was chaos and here is where we're still dealing with the chaos. Yeah. So, Fevered Star is happening. Great. Well, that's cool. Um, that's great. Yeah. Any trips to the bookstore or library? Um I was down on the plaza with uh my my smallest while my wife and the older boy were they were doing a youth event so zoe and i went down to the plaza to get some boba and we went to the barnes and noble which closes at eight on a friday (laughs) on the plaza irritating anyway well didn't they do like a curfew because of all the shenanigans well it's been a while i think it's just still climbing out of pandemic stuff Mm. however uh i was going we were we did a quick run through the the bookstore and i for the life of me, can't remember the title. Um, I wish I had it. Uh, Zoe got this graphic novel about this girl going into middle school, but she's real awkward at all. Her, she makes all of her decisions with a D20. Oh, that's cool. So it's navigating life at school, but it has a D&D feel to it. Um, and she's been reading that raptly. Um, and then I, I found the, you know, the buy one, get one 50% off table. Is it called Allie's Fair in middle school? I think so. Or Just Roll With It by Lee Durfee Lavoie, a contemporary middle grade graphic novel about dealing with anxiety and OCD and rolling the right number. I think that's it. Yeah, let me show you the cover. That's it. That's okay. the one she has. Yes. Just Roll With It by Lee yeah. Durfee Lavoie and Veronica Argival. Yeah. That, I'll put it on our list. She's been enjoying that one. And then I, I found the, the buy one, get one half off table. And this was 
as I was finishing all the President's Men. So I bought um, Tom Brokaw's book, The Fall of Richard Nixon, okay. which is based on his interactions with then president after he after he resigned um, as a young newsman. Um, and also it ties into uh, whenever we finally do our episode on like places literature, there's a play called Frost Nixon mm-hmm. that was turned into a movie. And it's amazing. And it's one of the finest dramatic pieces you'll read. Um, and then I, because I don't have it, a copy of it, because I got it from the library, I got a copy of The Martian. That was almost on my list. Have you have you read it yet? I read it. I, re- I struggled through it because of the first personness of some of it. Yeah. Rambling first person narratives are really hard for me. And so, but I, I had gotten it from the library um, back when it, I think, first came out. And uh, I read it, but I was, it was one of those, I, I read it kind of just to say I read it. So I'm going to try again. Okay. Because I really want to get to Project Hail Mary. Uh-huh. You can just skip Artemis. I got, I got my, I got my, my synopsis. Yeah. I'm going to run the moon. Yeah. I'm going to run the moon. Anyway. Yeah. So, so I'm going to, I'm going to give that one another shot. Um, so I picked up those. That's a great one. It was I almost have, on my list for I you. Have a, I have a copy of it at home and I like the cover art. So. I, that was the book that, um, I was on the last hundred pages of it and Chase came in to talk to me and I said, turn around. Don't nice. come talk to me for an hour. And he didn't. And I finished it. And it was amazing mm-hmm. and intense. And um, the author, Andy Weir, really researched his stuff. He really knows what he's talking about. He does write some doofy characters. Like, it's a lot of, like, it, uh, like Chris Pratt's. It's kind of how I imagine, like, mm-hmm. doofy guys. Chris Pratt from uh, Parks and Rec. Yep. Like, that character is the main character from Project Hail Mary, in my opinion. Okay. And we've already talked about this, but he writes shitty female leads, in my opinion. Yeah. But that's okay, because he researches his stuff, and he writes good stories. He writes for the movies. It's kind of just like a screenplay. Okay. But it's still uh, an excellent read, and I think you'll really like it. Alrighty then. So, yeah. is it time for our reading challenge for each other, or are we doing that later in the episode? No, we can do it right now. Great. Reading challenge. Wait, reading challenge. you want to go first, because you brought it up? Yeah. Okay. I'm excited. Okay, yeah, so. You have your D12? So pretty. One of the most overlooked dice. Yeah. In the set. I'd like to say that's the reason I picked it. It's not. Okay, you ready for this? Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to challenge me with? Yeet that D12. Okay, I am challenging you to read All the Light We Cannot See. Okay. Yeah, it's good. It's historical fiction. Do I have that one? Did you give me that one at Christmas? No, but you can borrow mine okay. if you would like to. Um, So it's historical fiction set in France during World War II. I should have researched. These are like that I went, sounds right. I mean, I, I've yeah. seen it. I've looked at we, it. I went through all of my five star reads from sure. the last two years and picked twelve for you. Yeah. Um, so that's the one you will get to read. All the light we cannot see. Yes, I can do that. And then I'm gonna keep this list. Great. And you may have to read more from here because mm-hmm. all these are really good. Yeah. So originally for yours, we want to. Is this by next episode? We have to have these read. Probably not. Okay. Probably not. Like two episodes from yeah, now? Yeah, something like that. Okay. We can do this. I believe yeah. in you. I got. I think all the light we can see, cannot see is like maybe 350. So for yours, it was going to be, I, I kind of already, I already had like two in my mind the mm-hmm. whole time, and it was going to be March, because March is amazing. Yes. However, because of the way that we're living in our current time and climate, and because of that It's context, a political book. And the chills that I got reading pieces of it. 
Okay. So the, I just said I yeah, have to read the company. It's the company time. Okay, this one is unfair. Look how chunky this guy is. Eight ninety four. It's yeah. You read faster than I do. I do. That's true. And it's. Um. It's, did you buy this for me, or no, is this your fine. copy? Okay, your copy is pristine. That's uh, not the first one I've owned. Okay, because you know how I am with yeah, books. That's fine. Okay, great. That's that's I, maybe the second or third. Like okay. I've had a few because like, I had one that had a real lame cover, and then I saw that one at one point and went, I like that cover. I got yeah. this. Yeah, it's cool, and it's easy to like. It's easy to it, it's in very distinct sections because basically, the novel gives you a significant storyline for the fifties, the sixties, the seventies, okay, the eighties, and then sort of the late eighties into the nineties. So like each piece of it, you could like read it, stop, and then read it and stop. Like take a little break, like take a break for a day. But one. With some of the stuff happening in Europe, there are parts of that book that just will unsettle you. Um, and two, when I first read it, there's historical characters in there that I know what happens. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you do. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to be fun to get, like, when you're reading Harry Potter, to get those. <laughs> what the heck? How is this happening? And I could be like, yay, that's going to be great. And there's actually characters in there that I had to go in and and research because it was like all right was this person actually a real character okay this was a fictional one this okay so it's very well written and the the bad guys are gross great i love a yeah, gross bad guy there are there's one there's just there's one part that's just well but anyway cool. so yeah you're reading the company great get it done get her fi- done finally get that out there and eat that cia book eat that CIA book. i like how your options were march which is like 100 pages uh-huh. And then the company, which I is also 900 kind of, pages. I also kind of figured that you, you weren't going to throw me a, a little slim boy. So um, I didn't want to make it too easy on you. Two, a couple of my options in here are, are smaller. Um, I was a little bit worried about number 11, the only good Indians, because that is very much like on the horror side. And I oh, wasn't mm-hmm. sure how much of it you could handle because it's pretty graphic. All right. um, but I know that as long as it's not like child abuse, you don't have... Yeah. Issues with it. And it's not that. It's just it's it's pretty scary. Um, but the secret history is chunky and that's absolutely but anyway, we're well, gonna I mean, and I we're know, gonna go through I know this gentleman list. gentleman in Moscow is on there and I have that and I that's what I had started and went, Oh, I can't read this right now. She she thick. Yeah. 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 It's just And dense. That's what it was. It was the and that's yeah. the thing about March. When you get to March, it looks pretty slim. Yeah. You're gonna spend some time. This I feel like once you get rolling. I think you're going to like it because it, it does pick up and the female characters are, are pretty cool. I am excited. And like I, I just said 10 minutes ago, I need to read the company. Yeah, I know that was that. Made were you were funnier. you grinning? Yeah, because <laughs> I didn't even bring the other option. So I couldn't bail. <laughs> I was just like, this is it. And so if like 10 minutes ago, I would have been like, screw the company. Oh, I'm never reading hilarious. that. Like, oh, <laughs> Here's your challenge. Let's do it. <laughs> Great. Yep. OK, cool. Well, this has been. Greetings and drinkings. And, and a reading challenge. A reading challenge. We're going to try and do this once a month, right? Sure. Okay. Once a month or, well, it can be fluid. It doesn't have to be, you know, set in stone. It doesn't no. have to be as rigorous as your yearly reading schedule. It can be like my reading schedule. <laughs> just have, we, we hey, go I just off finished this book. I should read feel it something out. else. So we're going to talk about classics here in a second, right? Yeah. Okay, let's talk about some classics. Yeah, books that for a lot of people 
give you chills and nightmares of school projects and English classes and which I mean happens to be too sometimes. There are some ones that I really didn't enjoy. Um, are you a classic reader? Yes, I am. Yeah. I used to be what I almost exclusively read in high school and early college. I was not necessarily I was kind of snobby about it. I really enjoyed I mean I, I very much enjoyed classics, but I also was like, look at all these classics I read. <laughs> um and then I decided to stop being a butthead and read some other stuff. But nice. Yes, I am a classics reader. I really enjoy classics. Yeah, um, I I've, I feel like the the issue with a lot of arguments against them is that I don't think people realize that like classic literature is hundreds and hundreds of years old. Like there's so much of it. Um, and like, we're gonna talk about too. There are modern classics. Oh yeah. There are things that are as old as I am that I would consider a classic. Yeah. So, um. When I started kind of thinking about getting, when we were getting ready to record this, I was looking to see or determine what, what do people think? Like what, what, not what do people, but what defines classic literature? Because in my mind, it's still subjective. You know, somebody's not just making, you know, there's not some group out there that's like, well, that is, but that isn't. Or like as soon as it turns 50, it's a classic. Yeah, like the the vintage is a certain amount of time which sets a valuation that doesn't work for the like the copy of the book, but not the content. Right. So in doing that research, I stumbled across and there will be a, a blog post that accompanies this. An Italian author, a beloved Italian author. I, I have not read any of his books, but I'm gonna look into more of them. His name is Italo Calvino, and he had written 14 criteria for what makes a classic. And when I started reading them, it made me very happy to see. Um, I'm not going to read all 14, but I have a couple that really stood out. For example, what makes a classic? A book about which you hear people saying, I'm rereading, and never, I'm reading. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Or, or, uh, each rereading offers as much of a sense of discovery as the first. Okay, so let's pick a book each that fits in that category. Oh, I mean, that's whenever, like, was it a couple episodes ago? Anyway, when I was talking about rereading Lord of the Rings. Yep. I have that on my list for uh, a new classic or whatever. That's, yes. I mean, I don't know what people will consider modern classics, but I consider anything after 1950 modern, mm-hmm. technically, really. Um. So, yeah. Lord of the Rings is on my list, and then I have, for me, I have The Secret History by Donna Tartt. I sure. think that will absolutely be a classic. And that's and I, kind of how, I, I mean, I feel the historians that way. I think so, too. Um, his, his sixth point, uh, a classic has never exhausted all it has to say to readers. Mm. It's still, which, I mean, follows along with the last one, but it keeps giving you things. Mm-hmm. Um, his ninth point, the more we know... That's right. The more we know them through hearsay, the more original, unexpected, and innovative we find them when we actually read them. Okay, pick a so, book for that category. Well, so I have an example for that. Whenever I was moving into theater studies and we would get assigned plays that you would look at and you, you would kind of go, okay, when you approach it and you're going, I don't know if I'm able to get into that. For me, it was always Anton Chekhov's work. Okay. So look at the seagull or the cherry orchard. When you start reading it, if you're not approaching it, I don't know. It's, you just have to be in the right frame of mind to start it. 
it can be hard. However, I remember sitting in class hearing people describing these scenes in a modern like context. Like, oh yeah, it was funny whenever he did this, this, and this. And in my mind, I'm going, wait, hold on, he did what? And I would go in and go, oh, oh, that is funny. I also find that a lot with Alexander Dumas, Dumas Pair, if you want to be mm-hmm. real specific, like reading um, Count of Monte Cristo. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would, that would be considered and Three classic. Musketeers. It is. Okay, yeah. I, I... But when you, watch, like, when you watch like a movie adaptation of The Three Musketeers or Count of Monte Cristo, and then you start reading the book, and the book is pretty dense right at the beginning... Yeah. And you're like, hold on, I don't see this. But then somebody will go, oh, yeah, but remember in the book when he says this to this guy, this to this guy, and then he does mm-hmm. this. And it sounds so accessible and easy to understand. And then you go back in. And for me, something just kind of clicks in gear. And I'm going, okay, now I understand it. Just because you have that little bit of explanation. That's how I was with Shakespeare. And I still kind of am. Somebody can get real bogged down. And I can go, well, this he said this to this person. And then, oh, it's Cap- like like it's like the one piece that solves the yeah. puzzle. Count of Monte Cristo and uh, The Man in the Iron Mask are mm-hmm. two of my favorites. I really, really like those. Yeah. Um, and then his, his 13th point. Uh, a classic relegates the noise of the present to a background hum, which at the same time, classics cannot live without. Okay. So it, 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 proves, that it proves the timelessness mm-hmm. of work, which I also think is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, that for me is a little harder to find in the some of the older stuff, mm-hmm. um, but you can still uh, grab it. In for me, a lot of that is in reading play scripts. For example, look at American politics in the last twenty or thirty years, and then read Julius Caesar mm-hmm. or Othello or um, Coriolanus, and start realizing that some of this stuff. Well, I mean, it's that cyclical historical. The, the the cyclical way history can be it's still there's there's relevance in all this content that's why stuff is keeps getting brought up well and that's i mean what i was about to say with one of the books that i think is a modern classic but that we'll be talking about for years and years is mm-hmm. the handmaid's tale by margaret atwood because when she wrote that book she didn't make anything up she said that multiple times that she pulled from history and cultures and things that have happened and then expanded on it to the crazy story that we know of The Handmaid's Tale. And I think that will be, I mean, we're seeing, like you said, it's a cyclical thing. We're mm-hmm. seeing some of those similar issues with politics today. And I think we might see even more, you know, in the future. And so I think that's what we'll be talking about forever. Yeah. So here's a question for you. Why do you think classics are hard for people to read? I think that... A, it's like this kind of rebellious thing after we get out of high school and college and it's forced on us a little bit. And like, here's the thing, besides Picture of Dorian Gray, which is one of my favorite books of all time, the classics I read in high school were not great. I did not let, like I rewrote um, like The Prime of Machine Brody was just okay, kind of odd. Um, And uh, Brave New World, which is again, just fine. Yeah. But there are a lot of other, in my opinion, better classics to read and so the the books that were chosen and forced on us a little bit i think as a whole it like tainted the classics mm-hmm. category yeah and so i think as people grow older and realize oh i'm reading for fun a 85 percent of those people stop reading completely 
And then B, the people that are reading are choosing what they want to read for fun and don't realize that classics can be fun and enjoyable and hilarious. I mean, Northanger Abbey, I laughed out loud at. Like, mm. you know, there are books that are really fine. Or, or Emma, I like Emma. I think that's one of the funniest books. That's also one of the most accessible, I think. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Awesome. And so I think that it's a lot to do with like this rebellious reading. And then I think people are just scared by it. I think um, required re- required reading is is tough because you know attempt to you know bang on a teacher or something or demean what they're doing Mm -hmm. but like sometimes you're given a book you're told that you're reading this but you're not given any reason why it's important why you should want to read it um and you don't get a context of why why is this why does this exist and why does it matter because that then leads to this um you're trying to your the your cultural difference in the the evolution of your culture trying to identify with something that happened however long ago yeah if you're not given a a path to connect those two things um it's going to be hard yeah it's going to be very hard well and like in college i was in a course that we you know we had some classic literature reading and we went to a very conservative college and so it was like very limited even classics some of them were considered inappropriate or not curriculum worthy and so there's that limited view of what gets approved and accepted i mean we're seeing that now the amount of classics that are getting taken off of yeah full reading list and it's also the fact that again it's a subjective art you you just because someone thinks that you should look at dickens with reverence and awe doesn't mean you need to feel that way you know and i understand that there's a there's a reason that he is revered but i don't it's not for me um so um here's one this is gonna be kind of impromptu because i made a list but i didn't tell you about it i forgot that i made this list this was my this was my classics i liked versus classics i couldn't stand great so i have examples you can you you come up with stuff on the fly really well we do this back and forth um improv yeah yeah do it all right so for example high school for me one of the big things that happened was Fitzgerald. Uh-huh. Great Gatsby. Loved it. Okay. I was about to say like or dislike. Oh, no. I loved it. Great. However. I'm making great Gatsby however, right now. What? Oh. They're really cool. Classic I could not stand. The Old Man in the Sea. <sighs> yeah. I didn't like it either. I'm not a Hemingway person. I've learned. I've read several. I want to try again when I'm not 16. You know. I've, I mean, I've read some since. Okay. Um, yeah. Or. Uh, again, we talked about this. Count of Monte Cristo, uh-huh. wonderful. Three Musketeers, wonderful. However, books that and those are books I chose. Books that I was handed and told you're going to read this and appreciate it. Great Expectations and Hard Times. Oh my gosh, I love Great Expectations. You do? I, I really like Great Expectations. Um, um, I I don't know if because I read that in high school willingly, not like just you need to read this. I read that for fun, and all of my friends made really? fun of me, and I. Liked it. Did you see the movie with Gwyneth Paltrow? Well, I don't like Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, yeah. So they tried to. They I tried to. It. When I was in high school, they tried to. They tried sorry, to take, sorry, Gwyneth. They tried to take great expectations and make it sexy. I'm sorry. On the more Gwyneth Paltrow's like. Yeah, I'm guessing you didn't like her Emma either. No. Um. I liked. No. I like a lot of the people in that movie though. Except for her. well, that's 
Okay. Oh my gosh. Because Tony Collette's in there. Ready? We're about to be boycotted. Uh huh. Okay. Love Pride and Prejudice. Cannot stand Karen Knightley. I oh think really? She ruined it for me. Oh okay. Yeah. I can't. That's okay. Another that one. That movie doesn't bother me. That one doesn't bother me. But Amy's she she lives in the Colin Firth world. The okay. Jennifer Ellie one. It's so good. It's yeah. so good. That's the one that's always been around. Here's here's another one. Little Women loved it. Can't stand Winona Ryder. I think. Oh, she, that's fine. That movie. Yeah, that okay. one. I still want to see the new one. <gasps> you haven't seen the new no, one. No, I want to see the new the Emma Watson one, or <laughs> the Renona S- Church. Sasha Ronan. Church, Renona, Church. No, Renona, yeah. yeah, Renona Church. <laughs> oh God. Sasha Ronan. Oh, anyway. uh, and Florence Pugh is yeah. in it, and she's a, just amazing. Okay, we um, movie night. I sure. love that movie so much. Um, even Chase got a little teary eyed in the aw, movie theater. Aw, um, again, it was like the equivalent of like Joey. He's like Beth dies. It's it's just <laughs> Beth's really sick. Beth's really sick. Yeah. Put the put the movie in the freezer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I liked Anna Karenina, but Thank I did you. not like Crime and Punishment. I think we talked that's, about that's that. A, there's there, that's a double Dostoevsky right there for for anyone thinking I'm mailing it in. I haven't read Crime and Punishment yet. It's just it's hard. Um, I. I, I'm trying to kind of get a few of these sort of in the same time period. Um, love to Kill a Mockingbird. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Call of the Wild. That was one of those ones when I was in school. It's like, you're going to love this. It's adventure. It's outdoors. It's And I'm like, I don't it's like, like it. It's like, we're trying to get boys to read classics. Yeah. And I and that's Call of the Wild. I, I mean, I, I, I read it and I appreciate what it does because it's very cool because it's kind of got a, it takes that sort of, hey, respect the natural world, and but they put an adventure to it. Just uh-huh. wasn't for me. And then also, and then my one, this is my one, I feel like this was my one like elitist thing. Uh, I really like Dubliners, but not Ulysses. That was my James Joyce line. Ulysses is just, I think Ulysses is overrated. It's considered one of the finest works of literature of all time, and it's almost impossible to read, which is like, it's like this two for hipster thing. Yeah. Uh, But Dubliners is awesome. It's a collection of short stories that Joyce wrote in Dublin. So I don't know. That was, I didn't realize that was between my two pages of notes, my little list. Your little list yeah, because it was I, just. Here's the thing that was great. This was not. Yeah, uh, I I have a few. Okay. Okay, so I I loved Frankenstein. Okay. Mary Shelley, you didn't like Frankenstein. I it was it was hard to read because I just read Dracula. Okay. And I feel like Dracula was so much more thrilling. Dracula's amazing. That's also on my list of amazing. Yeah. Because I love Frankenstein and didn't like Phantom of the Opera or Curious Case Jekyll and Hyde. Didn't like either okay. of those. Um, that's Stevenson and that might have been because I grew up with the like musicals and the movies and they're so much different yeah I'm not a fan of the opera person I will say this the novel of Les Mis oh it's on my list I love Les Mis yeah it's a two-parter love it so much well okay I have it in two parts because it's so large but um so did not like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest okay um I don't have any in like the same time period I guess okay that's like that's Nineteen like sixty. It's it's in your modern classics. It it caused a stir. Okay, I, I mean obviously I like like Nurse Ratchet and what came about from it. I think like that um, like psychological thriller yeah. that I think that that book really set that going. Mm-hmm. But it it was just okay to me. I loved Grapes of Wrath. That one for me. I've really, done. there's I I don't know. Sometimes whenever you get into those domestic ish. Kind of stories. I mean, there's nothing like redeeming about that book yeah. at all. It's depressing, and so is East of Eden. It's pretty depressing too. But I liked East of Eden. Yeah, like Flame as we already talked about that. I liked The Lighthouse by Virginia Woolf. Sure, That's early 1900s. Yeah, 
I'm trying to think of ones I didn't like. Oh, okay, I did. Didn't, didn't like Brave New World. We've already talked about that. Didn't really love George Orwell. Orwell, uh, 1984. Oh, Animal Farm. No. Didn't like Animal Farm. Didn't no. like The Jungle very much. That's up to Sinclair. Yeah, yeah. it was gross. And I, I, it's uh, Heart of Darkness. That was one that was yeah. supposed to be a huge deal, and I've seen Apocalypse now. That one's fine. I just yeah. didn't like Heart of Darkness. That's, I mean, I again, I remember reading that, going, "Oh, there's a lot here to unpack," but it wasn't yeah. something I wanted to unpack myself um, um and then we've already talked about how much i loved picture of dorian gray yeah um didn't like prime of machine brody at all um, how about have you read um one of uh one of my big ones is Twenty Thousand leagues under the sea i haven't read that one i'm not a big fan of journey to the center of the earth as far as jules Verne goes i like okay. i like the ocean story um did you read the time machine I read a comic version of it. Okay. It was not one that I have read in the past. I feel like decade. you would like that one. I like that yeah, one a lot. It's I've, creepy. Somewhere on my somewhere in my Kindle like Kindle account from when I had an old one, I had the collected Jules Verne. Um Well Time Machine H. G. Wells, right? That's H. G. Wells, okay, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. Sure. I have the collected H. G. Wells and I think I have some of Jules Verne. I don't have his collected okay. stories. Um as much as I'm a big history person, I'm not a big I mean, the Red Badge of Courage is fine, but it wasn't when I go back and reread. Um, again, talks about its trauma, its war, its cowardice, yeah. its brotherhood. It's cool. But it's just, I don't know. There's something about it that doesn't. It's not one I'm going to be like, oh, it's been a while. Let's reread Red Badge. And it's short, but, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I have. I just was thinking about how we were talking about how classics are unapproachable sometimes, mm-hmm. or people feel like they're unapproachable. And I was telling Chase we were talking about classic tropes, and I had brought up enemies to lovers, and he was mm-hmm. like, "What's that?" Blah blah. blah. You know, like I don't know what that is. And I was bringing up classic examples of it, you know, like Star Wars and, um, gosh, I don't know what else. I like Wizards of Waverly Place. Like, <laughs> there's like a character in that, you know. Yeah. Um, but then like the classic classic enemies to lover to me is Pride and Prejudice, mm-hmm. and I love that book. And so for all my People out there that are romance readers and like the enemies lovers trope, try Pride and Prejudice. Um, I think we should talk about our favorite and least favorite Jane Austen books, yeah. and then our favorite and least favorite Bronte sisters. Oh, oh, that one's a little harder for me because I've only read some of the big ones. Okay, because I'm a uh, tenant of uh, White Fell. Is that right? Tenant of the tenant of White Fell. I think that's okay. Now I have to look it up. I don't remember what sister wrote it. Um, Tenet of Wide Fell Hall, that's Anne Bronte, which is the one you like, right? You like Anne? I like Anne. I like Anne's poetry. Yeah. Um, that one is supposed to be super creepy, which all of the Bronte sisters kind of write those like gothic thriller um, books, but um, I, I am going to read that one next. But what is your favorite and least favorite, Austin? I like Emma. Cause just because it's easy to read. And it's so funny. And the movie with Anya Taylor-Joy was so good. I, sw- I haven't seen that one either. I need to. Oh, oh my gosh. We just have to have a whole movie night. Yeah. It's so, so funny. That's, that was always the thing about the the one with um, Gwyneth Paltrow in it. Because I, she was never, she never came and got me. But you had, you know, Ewan McGregor being all yeah. awesome. And Tony Collette being all great. I love uh, Tony Collette. And um, uh, what's his name? The guy that plays Knightley that's in Tudors and all these other shows. Anyway. Um, Emma's good. Emma has a good, like, you just pick it up and read it. It's very charming. Um, 
and Pride and Prejudice is also good. I was not a fan of Persuasion. Mm-hmm. As in, I did not find it easy to get through. Um, I, I Persuasion was going to be my least favorite as well, and that's hard because I really like all of them, but Persuasion, um, that's the one with um, Anne, and she is like the oldest heroine that <laughs> Jane Austen ever wrote. And I don't, I don't love like the, I think the the whole thing is like, she's, she's nosy and gets into business. She's not supposed to be in, but, um, I just, that's, it's not my favorite one yeah. either. And I think I remember reading Mansfield Park. That one was kind of a big deal because, because, um, the main character, um, Penny, her, 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 her uncle has the, the slave plantation. Yes. And it freaked people out. It's yeah. Like, oh no no we don't we don't talk about that yeah. in our books. Yeah. You know. Um, I'm sorry. Persuasion is not persuasion is the one where they were engaged and then they break up and then like eight years later yeah. the book happens and they they meet again. Uh, the naval officer. Sure. That one I I like I like persuasion but yeah it's kind of it's a little bit darker. And I do really I like. Colonel Tavington and Sense and Sensibility. Yes. I just like him a lot. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's how it is with a lot of her books. You like the char- certain characters, you like specific moments, but. Yeah. And I really like that movie, the one yeah. with Emma Thompson and on. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's and, excellent. And Colin Firth, that's who's one of Amy's favorite little people. Colin Firth, she loves him. And and um, I'm Alan Rickman. Yeah. As Colonel Tavington is just great. Like, that's a, that one, that I think might have been my first. Was I think the, my first exposure to Jane Austen stuff? Mm. Yeah, I the only one I think I have not read yet is Mansfield Park. I'm pretty sure that's on my list this year. I think I've read everything else. Yeah, and I can't remember. Sandition, I think, was one that was one that um, Amy liked. I did you see the Becoming Jane movie? Yes, with, I liked with that Anne one. Hathaway. That yeah. one, I liked the way that that put her life into mm-hmm. a, a nice context. Oh, I haven't read Lady Susan either. That one was that one unfinished. Um, no, I think Sandition okay. is the one that's unfinished. Okay. I thought it's been a while. I haven't. I have not stayed well up to up to, up to snuff on on her work. Lady Susan may be the one that's unfinished because it was published in eighteen seventy, and Jane Austen was dead by then. I believe. Yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah. yeah that's. So, I mean. But again. And a lot of these things, we covered a lot of classics, but it doesn't mean you have to like all of them. No, you don't have to like all of them. And um, it's okay to try a few and that'd be all that you do. I just don't want people to be turned off by classics because of high school or because... Or because you were told to read the Iliad and you couldn't do... Oh, no, let me phrase that. You were told to read the Odyssey. That one's the harder one to read. The Iliad's got a bunch of violence in it. I liked both of them, though. Um, But again, it's like... That that can that can scar you a little bit. Yeah. Um. So I have some some points. Some hey, how can we make classics more approachable? What what can we do to maybe encourage people to read them? Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Oh yeah, that it's, that's one. It's actually yeah. like I mean, it's almost a word for word rewrite of the book with zombies in it. Yeah, and it's awesome. So so no, <laughs> I, I I agree that. Did you read Sense and Sensibility and Sea Monsters? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it. I don't um, know. I don't think Chase did, but we both read Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, and it was awesome. Yeah, I remember there was, I think we were on a trip 
when Amy was reading one of those and and she was just cackling through it's, it when we were going places. Especially if you are a fan of the original, it is like the in Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, the uh confrontation that um oh my gosh, now I'm blanking. The main character. Elizabeth? Yes, thank you. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, boo. Uh Elizabeth and the aunt. I don't remember her name. Okay. Well, you know what I'm talking about. The, like, classic yeah. confrontation. Um, They are in her, like, dueling room practicing with their katanas. Yeah. And it is uh, <laughs> the best work yeah. of art. Um, so, actually, that here, that'll be a point that I don't have written down. And so, we'll just, I'll just, we'll just, we'll say that now. Have fun. Find, uh, find takes on these characters and trace them back. Yep. Like, if you liked watching Sherlock, follow that back to the books. If all of you YA readers out there liked, uh, oh no, okay, pause. Sorry, I gotta figure out the name of this one. All right, while you do that, I'll say um, Christopher Moore has written several things. Amongst them, one of them being Fool, where he takes the the character who in Shakespeare's King Lear is just called the Fool, um, gives him a name, calls him Pocket, and writes a story about him. That you can then trace back and then go read King Lear. Mm. Um, another author named Alan Gordon took uh, Fest, who was the fool in Twelfth Night, and wrote a whole series of these Dark Age mysteries with this with this clever fellow solving these mysteries throughout uh, the Dark Ages and Crusades and whatnot. Um, trying to think of any. Oh, Kim Newman wrote a book called Anno Dracula, which takes place where Vlad Dracula is sitting on the English throne and Sherlock Holmes is in jail for trying to come after him. And all these historical figures are in and out of these stories. Yeah. Okay. So yes. So what I was saying is the song of Achilles by Madeline Miller is a classic retelling of. I've been very close to reading that a couple times. It's good. Yeah. Um, And a lot of people who are like, quote unquote, like YA readers or Mm -hmm. whatever have really been able to transition into those classic retellings. And so, yeah, like you said, find something a retelling of it and then trace the characters back and try the original. Try yeah. what they're based off yeah. of. Um, so I have some points. This would be good because I'll give you the point and I have at least an example for each and then you can add your flavor. Great. Add some add some flavor flavor. Yes. There you go. So huh? uh we'll say that was unnumbered point. Let's get into this. Great. So this will be point one or my first point. Why not? Dispense with automatic association of a book's age with whether or not it's classic. Great. So for example, here's just just a list. This is and I and I tried to get a I tried to go from obviously that's what we think of as a classic to a little more modern. Jane Eyre, eighteen forty seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, in Cold Blood by Truman Capote, nineteen sixty six. The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho, Coelho was nineteen eighty eight, and that book that people are really into that one. It it made a comeback. And then in two thousand, The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. <laughs> Yeah. And again, that is that is me. I was looking around and, and looking for arguments, not even arguments, but just numbers and recognitions that support these modern books. Um, and Cavalier and Clay, it's great. My next point, do not associate the density, length, complexity of a novel with its value as a classic. Pride and Prejudice versus Dracula. Yeah. I mean, you've got domestic class sensibilities versus vampire story. The Grapes of Wrath versus Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. You know? Wuthering Heights versus To Kill a Mockingbird. 
To well, Kill a Mockingbird is a fairly easy read, but it says some stuff. So mm-hmm. does Wuthering Heights. Also says some stuff. Yeah. Well, you think about Beloved by Toni Morrison. That's already considered a classic, 1987. Yes. But it, it will be a classic, and that book is maybe 190, maybe a little over 200 pages. Mm-hmm. But it, um, it, like you said, it's, it's serious. Yeah. And these books, especially when you look at this, it's it's if if Pride and Prejudice is, is you can't you just can't push through it. That does not make anything. That's nothing wrong with you. The classics are this way because you are able to grasp. Yeah. So like if of that list, if To Kill a Mockingbird is the one that you can grab onto, that's great. Yeah, there's no problem with that. Like that that means that's speaking to you, and it's mm-hmm. there for accomplishing its goal. Right. A classic is not relegated to literary fiction mm-hmm. in big air quotes. Um, you can have fun books. Picture of Dorian Gray, uh-huh. and then there were none by Agatha Christie. I love yeah. that one. Treasure Island. They are just those. The, those books are just as valued and regarded as Les Mis or Tale of Two Cities. They're shorter. They're I don't know pulpier. I didn't like Tale of Two Cities. Yeah, did I? Great. And I really wanted to because that that hits some big history periods for me. Classics can be fun. They don't have to be difficult. Tough, difficult books deemed classics over fun books to me do a disservice to literature because it pushes them off of bookshelves. The the fun ones. Like mm-hmm. Three Musketeers. Right. People are gonna say, you know, Kind of Money Cristo is the more important one because of the the Dantes goes through this journey of being poor, a prisoner. He, you know, he reflects on life. Mm-hmm. Three Musketeers is a, it's a pretty straightforward adventure. Yeah. The Invisible Man, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, which you did not like, Jekyll and Hyde. I I liked it well yeah. enough. I just think my expectations were different. Again, sure. I went into it knowing the story differently than yeah. it was. In but the like, book. you know, those are those are fun. Well, and like you said, it doesn't have to be. Um, fiction, one of the books that I put on there that I think is going to be a classic, if not already considered a classic, is The Things They Carried by Tim O'Brien. That's 1990, and that's uh, Vietnamese, the Vietnam War, and the things that the men brought to war with them, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but it goes, obviously, like way far beyond that, but it's a short book, short read, and it's nonfiction. Sometimes, and we talked about this a little bit, sometimes it helps to start by watching the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, Phantom of the Opera. It's like so different, but that's a whole other conversation. I'm not a. I really have no place in my world for Andrew Lloyd Webber, just in general. Like, <laughs> he's just uh, he's a waste of time for me. Um, but that's okay because I get to have that opinion because I'm not saying that it's a waste of your time. The I mean, the BBC kind of runs on Jane Austen, like right. A lot of they they pay a lot of bills with adaptations of her work, and for good reason. Um, film adaptations of Shakespeare can really open up that world. The reason that I put my life on a trajectory of studying theater was the first time when I was very young seeing Kenneth Branagh's film adaptation of Henry V. I was maybe in fifth or sixth grade. Mm-hmm. I would then go to the library. I found it, took, checked the book out or checked the, the play out, took it home. And I would sit around and reread the lines trying to imitate the actors. That led to me actually starting to learn what what was really going on. And that's not even considered one of the big ones. I mean, right. it's important, but it's not one of the one of the big ones that people go see Shakespeare for. But for me, it's very important. 
Um, and that's the thing. Watching watching the movie can really push the film adaptation of Count of Monte Cristo with Guy Pierce. Mm-hmm. It's really good. And one of the reasons I think it's really good is it only takes a piece of the story. Right. And it, it takes that first big chunk. And that's a complete. And you just get yourself ready to ramp your way into that second half. Yeah. Um, but I think that that's a very tactfully done. Um, yeah. Movie that can push you in. Yeah. The Kill, to Kill a Mockingbird, the Gregory Peck film. It's. Yeah, that one's good. Very good. Um, do you have any? Um, for which point? Sorry. <laughs> St- try the movie, then read the book. Um, we're I mean, talking to your mom about Nicholas Nickleby. I don't know if you've seen that one. Yeah, that one's real good. I like Nicholas Nickleby a lot. Yeah. Um, I liked. I mean, I like like you said they call him First Pride and Prejudice. I liked. Um, you said be ready. That one's a miniseries, so you have to be don't don't approach it like it's a short movie. Sorry, you're, you're, yeah, that's true. You're it's a sit BBC. There for a bit. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a, I, it's a few episodes. It's a thing. It's a couple yeah. hours. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, I just saw. I mean, this is not a movie, but I just saw Dracula the Ballet, and mm-hmm. that my mom has never read Dracula, and she was like, I kind of want to read it now mm-hmm. after watching the ballet. Book's so like, good. It's so good. Yeah, it's hard. That's one that movies have have there have been troublesome troublesome movies. Well, it just gets so kitschy so quickly if yeah. you're not careful. And I think, yeah, um, that's like I really like, I really like the the adaptations that have been happening for Sherlock Holmes. I love yeah. the Guy Ritchie movies. Mm-hmm. Both of those I thought were really fun, and I like the BBC series is great. Yeah, I like both. And of that them. one's good because that one's giving you a modern context on a story. Yeah, and it's making it real to you, and then you can go in and reread. Yeah. Well, that's like The Handmaid's Tale. The series is doing so well, and it expanded on the... Because the book ends at the end... Well, the book ends really technically before the end of the first season, but they've expanded on it completely, and that's one that I think people are starting to get into Margaret Atwood now more. Sometimes it can come in and come at you the different way, because that's when I learned. I learned from reading, from watching Jurassic Park, which is considered a science fiction classic. Then I went and read it. Oh, you didn't like it. I loved it. No, it's fine, but I mean, you 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 thrive a little on John Hammond in the movie. Yeah, because it's just it's sweet old Richard Attenborough, and yeah. then you get to the book. Crazy. Not not so much. Yeah, crazy person. Yeah, yeah, he it's a lot, and that one is pretty thick. Maybe a little bit unnecessarily. There's a lot in there. It's like look at us do all this sci-fi stuff. Yeah, you know. Um, but that one I do really like. I like mm-hmm. the a lot. Um, and then. More of an encouragement. Oh, War of the Worlds. That's good. Yeah. That's a good book. I, I don't, I have not, the only movie I ever saw was the one from like the 60s that was hilarious. I didn't see the Tom Cruise one. Uh, the Tom Cruise one is good. It's yeah. creepy. Okay. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's a classic alien movie. Yeah. I liked it. Did you ever, did you ever listen, have you ever listened to the famous Orson Welles recording? Yeah. Like the, uh, like radio mm-hmm. drama one. Yeah, the yeah. one that freaked everybody out. Yes. Yeah. That's, I used to have that, like a vinyl of that mm-hmm. that I found in the antique store. Um, and then like sort of a final affirmation, you don't, there's, you're not less of a reader if you're not always in the mood to read a classic. Oh, like hundred percent. I, I, I mean, it can be an occasional challenge it can happen twice a year. Well, and I think every that a couple of years, what people have to remember too, is that when these books were written, yeah. right. And most of these books, I should say when the scary classics were written, were like 1800s classics. And before, yeah. Yeah. People didn't have phones to distract them, didn't have 40-hour work weeks to distract them, didn't have the crazy politics to distract them that we're going through. 
Yeah. Like, well, if they, and if they were in, going on, you didn't know about it until right. it was You were in your over. like little country home. Yeah. You saw maybe three people a week. Yeah. And you you read if you're a woman, especially you read and you like knit. You read, but you didn't get too many ideas. Right. And if you're a man, you know, I mean, it's just like yeah. there was a lot less distractions. Well, there and was also a lot more downtime. And also, you have like in the case of a lot of the English authors, especially one of the things that made Dickens to me was his his novels were published in pieces. Right. They were released in small chunks. Yeah, they were almost like trade paperbacks yeah. for novels almost. You know, they came in. And then like they, they would eventually get bound. Right. And so the culture, I mean, they might have read one book oh, like a month, but they sat down and had so much more leisure time than we do now. Mm-hmm. And so for many of us, reading is our escape and reading is a break for us mentally. And so sometimes it's hard to want to like pick up Jane Austen or Dickens or, you know, whatever when you've just had a 10-hour workday and you've been doom-scrolling on Facebook and mm-hmm. your family's pissing you off. And so, you know, you want to read something stupid. You yeah. want to read something with axes and knives and, um, and, and with, fairies and on it or I something. Mean, the the techn- technology is, the, t- the evolution of technology is one of the biggest things there because maybe you did have to work 10 hours. Yeah. But you're kind of bound by the sun yeah. in a lot of cases. And so maybe you're sitting at home, you have your lamp. Yeah. And, you know, your family is doing what your family does. And a lot of times it's it's reading or, yeah. you know, so there wasn't a lot of entertainment or there. I mean, Chase and I talk about this all the time that when we do get to our downtime or our hobby time, we're almost overwhelmed with the amount of content that we have yes. that we want to ingest and the amount of hobbies that we want to get done. And so it's like I have an hour and a half of free time and I have these seven podcasts I want to listen to and these five books and this three hobby thing I want to get done. And I, I feel like there was a time it, there was a time in which. Quality was what was quality is what made it because yeah. it was harder to distribute. Right. And now it's just anything so and much. everything. Yeah. And you have to you have to distill it more. It's one of those things I always whenever I have my uh my uh I don't know, comfort watching of Downton Abbey. Yeah. Um there's a lot of that that's well, you know, cool. We had dinner. What should we do? Talk, play cards, read, let's read. Yeah. You know? I want to go back to that time. Um, do you want to play the piano while we read? Great. Yeah. That's one of those things where I do, and then you think about it just a little bit more. I'm like, nope, I don't. I also don't want like I'll, the, the layers of clothing. Well, and I don't want to go back to that time with the allergies I suffer from and not have, and just be even more miserable. <laughs> I just also would fit yeah. in that time. I'd be burned in the stake as a witch. No, you'd be Sybil. Okay. Yeah, you'd be, sure. the, you'd be the one person in the family that gets the, the pants. The woman, the first woman with pants. Oh. Yeah. I want that as like a sticker, the first woman with pants. That's like when we played our we played our we played our eighteen hundreds basin game and, yeah. and you're like it's like, all right guys, you're gonna go out and you're gonna go and you're gonna hunt something. You're like, I'm gonna wear pants. Can I wear pants? It's like sure. Why not? <gasps> How dare. Yeah. Uh yeah. And <laughs> no, so it's just, I think I think I, those were great points and I would encourage everybody listening to um try try it. I've been I've been scoffed at for reading for for reading Agatha Christie in a college in a like 400 level literature class i get the christie's amazing i've been scott and this is one where i had to come back i had a professor get my back when this happened um, i was taking a british literature class and uh a lot of a lot of big names were getting thrown around um like oliver goldsmith and uh-huh. dickens and um the wrote ivan sir walter scott mm-hmm and not much, and but it was a survey, so it was not just, you know, it was, there was modern stuff included. We just hadn't gone to it. And so I went, okay, cool. So where does James Bond fall in this? 
And I remember my and people were looking at me like I was insane. And it was like, what? No, this that's this is not the class for that. This is a class for this. And my professor came in and goes, hold on. Those books are kind of a big deal culturally. And he yeah. looked at me, he goes, maybe not the inflaming ones, they're too pulpy, but if you want to write a report for me, go to the John Gardner ones. And I was like, are you serious? I can do this? Because for me, John Gardner is, I like his James Bond novels a lot. There's some really cool ones. Um, there's actually one that was written in the 70s that's basically a villain that plots his coups and takeovers on a tabletop game. It's called Roll of Honor. Okay, and well, I'm putting that on my it's, list it's, right it's, now. It's, it's, yeah, it's one of the real obscure ones, but it is a, like, James Bond gets swept up into this, like, terrorist training camp simulations, but the guy is looking at it like a tabletop game. That's amazing. Yeah. On my list immediately. Yeah. Well, and there's one of the movies where one of the villains has, he has a big war game set up in, his, really cool. in his room. That's really cool. Um, but it was just one of those things where it was like, hold on. It's not what you determine is the quality. It's what the culture that spawned this work, how right. do they respond to it? Right. You know, Cold War fiction, there's real important Cold War fiction that is also real sensational. Like Jean Le Carré is, is he can be tough, but he's written some real important stuff that took place during the Cold War that, could, yeah. that has opened a lot of eyes. Um, so that's just, and don't, don't, just don't make yourself read. I learned that if I, when I finally stopped going, you know what I'm going to do? This is the year. This is the year I'm going to make myself read some Twain, you know? And then I would never do it. Yeah. Um, and then absentmindedly, I'd pick up like The Innocence Abroad, which is one of the Twain books I really like. And then I'd read it. Yeah. Yeah. You, you have to, this is the year I'm going to reread The Brothers Karamazov. Like, no, then you're probably, it might not. But again, I'm not as much for the scheduling. You know? I try to I try to like throw in at least a couple of classics in yeah. a month just for rotation's sake. But but yeah, no, I think those are all really good points and just don't be discouraged yeah. if it's not for you. Go read the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. You can read it in a day. Great. And it's and it is, I mean, it's widely regarded as a as a big deal. So Yeah. Yeah, tell us your thoughts and yeah. your favorite classic and yeah. a classic you think we should read. And yeah, which classic scared you? Which surprised you? Which did you read recently? Huh? Oh, maybe. maybe. Yeah, and what did we what did we miss? Because I know a lot of my focus. I have a lot of Dickens dislike and a lot of others. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Let us know. Well, thank you for listening about yeah. us ranting and loving and we did a lot things. of book name dropping yeah i are i've been writing it's gonna be a big shelf it's gonna be a big old shelf so yeah. we can see we'll see if we can you, be you wrote first. a bunch down i had a whole bunch of written down yeah. It'll be um, a big shelf. to try to help make our giant shelf um listen yeah. to that i will have some try to have a good a good spotify playlist for reading classics yeah and like i said we're gonna have a, a blog post with some of these notes yeah and next week we're gonna do our spirited shorts and we are going to do our overview of our book of the month, Mexican Gothic by Sylvia Marina Garcia. Oh, Sylvia! And that drops July 5th. And I'm going to just, I just say that, I mean, Mexican Gothic, I'm going to say probably a classic. I think so. Yeah. Think it's so. just so good. I think so. But it's, that's, that's it's, for next episode. It's so creep, but it's so good. So creep. Yeah. Much and then again, and then our, our next full length episode will be July the 12th. Presumably. We'll be discussing 
the War of the Tropes with our special guest and friend, Walter. And it will be a lively discussion. We're so excited. Yeah. You're going to have to brace yourselves a little bit. It's going to be excessive. There's going to be... There's going to be some content warnings. There's going to be some... How many times do you think Walter's going to spike out the microphones? Actually, I think he'll probably be very eloquent, and we're going to be going, wait, what? Uh Yeah. There's going to be that. There's going to be... And there's going to be a lot of very strong opinions voiced. So... I'm so excited. Yeah. So so swing back through for a visceral time uh, on on July the 12th. But thank you for listening, and uh, keep reading books. Yeah. Like and subscribe, and follow us on... All, all the, the social, all the socials, and don't forget yeah. we have a Patreon. You can support us there. There are five tiers and some great rewards, and you can also support us through Anchor. And thanks for listening. This has been Spirited Reads. We thank you for joining us. Please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Additionally, keep track of the podcast and join the conversation at spiritedreads.com by following us on Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, and by joining our Goodreads page by searching Spirited Reads Podcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to support us, we're on Patreon. Keep reading, and we'll be back in two weeks. Thank you.